This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Cause we're gonna be legends. everybody, it's Gary Vaynerchuk. Uh, another episode of Pod Sessions. Uh, awesome scene I just walked into. There's like 30 people in my office. It was buzzing exactly how I love it. I sat down and got quiet. So I'm freaking out. I'm excited <laughs> to get the, uh, the, the noise a little bit louder. Uh, three phenomenal guests again. Uh, I will let them introduce themselves in a second. And, uh, and actually, I'm just gonna go right into it. I was gonna make a comment about my fantasy baseball team, but nobody needs to hear my troubles. And so let's move on. Let's go ladies first. Uh, why don't we give uh, the audience that's listening a little bit of an origin story, so who you are, what you're about. Uh, actually, let's start with who you are what you, and, and what you're up to, and then I'll take it from there. Awesome, yeah. Um, Anastasia, and uh, I've been surfing my whole life. I've been a professional surfer for the last 20 something years, I traveled around the world. I don't compete actively anymore, but. What uh, years did you compete? Uh, how old from how old? Five years old, to, you know, up until last year. That's amazing. I'm, I'm 31, so yeah, um, it's been a great ride and throughout this whole time, I've always like been producing my own videos, doing photos for sponsors and brands, even when I was a young kid and, um, you know, really, started popping off with me with social media and being able to have my own platform. And so now I get to do what I've always loved doing is surf videos, fun photos, traveling, and really social media has been great for me, so. And where do you live now? I live actually in Florida now. Okay, well, yeah. and you grew up where? Uh, I'm from Hawaii in California, so I've, I've definitely. Real surf land. Yeah, I've definitely been in a everywhere tropical, warm, beach town. Did you want to get out of the West Coast or was Florida for business reasons or any other random um, reason? Personal, my boyfriend brought me there, but yeah. uh, you know, I'm always on the road, so it's kind of just a nice, <laughs> exactly. it's a nice home base to come home to. Awesome. Yeah. My guy. Uh, Rob Pinnell, played professional lacrosse, going into my sixth year um, from New York. Grew up here originally. I played for uh, New York Lizards and Team USA. So heading into uh, the World Games or the big thing looking forward to this that, summer. That's every four years, right? Every four years, yeah. yeah. You excited? Can't wait, yeah. Ha, you've done that once before or is this your first 2014, one? 2014, we lost to Canada, so. Yep. A little, yeah. <laughs> a little bit of chip, chip on our shoulder. Um, but yeah, in Israel in July. We'll you be there. And how are you feeling about this run? Feeling good, feeling you, confident. You know, feel confident? New team, new coach. Is Canada going to be guys. great again? They'll be great, yeah. They're always talented and, and always got some who's emerged in the last four years, in your opinion, on the world stage? Anybody else you got your eye on of like, that's going to be real competition? I think Team Israel, they're hosting, but they, I think they can um, maybe challenge the Iroquois for that bronze medal. Um, Australia is always always there, but Israel in the past hasn't been that great, and I think. But for uh, most experts, it's going to be us, you guys, and Canada. Yeah, it's, I think only one other time it hasn't been U.S. or Canada in the finals. So it's. Uh, so you're focused. It's focused on Canada. And uh, and and what kind of brings you here? Obviously, Tyler is a huge lacrosse fan, yeah. or Paul, or like you've you've hacked your way. But in from a business standpoint and things of that nature, where's your mindset at? I think the unique thing about the lacrosse world is that we're professional athletes, but we're not paid like other sports. <laughs> right. So we got to find other ways to uh, to make a living. And I think the social landscape has allowed us to, you know, guys like myself, guys like Paul, to do it full time. So uh, it's challenging, but you got to find ways to get creative. And um, you know, most guys in the professional league are going into another job. Um, I'm lucky that I've built building a brand that. 
I'm able to do it full time. Um, so getting creative, whether it's developing my own platform for instruction online for kids to watch videos, um, you know, doing workout videos on social media that kids want to follow along, um, just kind of building my brand over the years and uh, kind of feel myself right now more focused on it, you know, more than ever. So good for you, man. Obs. Yeah, what's up, everybody? Aubrey Marcus. I'm the founder and CEO of a company called Onnit, which is one of the leaders in human performance. We call it total human optimization. And I put all that knowledge from working with the best people in the world, uh, a lifetime of experience in clinical research, and put that into a new book called Own the Day, Own Your Life, which is compressing all of these practices for total human optimization into one single day. It's See, a big, fat book, bro. It's a big, fat book. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> it's heavy. Yeah, man. Like, I feel like you yapped a little bit too much. This. this is real. <laughs> well, there's a lot. lot. There's a lot to the game, my friend. Uh, lot respect, to the game. Respect. Nice, every, nice. Every cover. chapter covers a different section of the day, from waking up to having sex to going to sleep to what you should eat breakfast, lunch, dinner, the whole thing. So, having a glass of wine tries to cover like a real life day rather than just a health book that's gonna have everybody pretend. And when does this same. hit? Tomorrow. April 17th. 17th. So a week from this recording. And are you nervous? Are you excited? Man, I paid the blood price for this book, so I'm not nervous. You know, I did everything I could. So at that point, when you do your best, you lay it all in the line. Like, yeah. you can't be tied to the expectations of what it does. Yeah. There was not a single point where I had a chance to rewrite or a chance to put my best effort in, and I didn't do it. So I laid it on the line. So whatever happens, happens. Congrats, brother. It's, Thanks, it's brother. such a... They're like children, books, <laughs> yeah. you know, like they definitely are special. I'm excited it's here. I'm excited for people to get to know you more in this session. So let's go back around the room and uh, uh, this is my favorite part of the pod sessions. I wanna know what you're currently obsessed with. Um, and when I say that, I, I prefer that it not be in like what your life is about or what you care about. Like I don't, I don't want Aubrey's answer to be, I'm obsessed with maximizing your one life. <laughs> like I want it to be something ridiculously small like, like this new t-shirt that you just got that like somebody gave you that's so soft you don't know how you haven't lived without it <laughs> or like a new Netflix show or like some new food or restaurant that opened by you. Something, so, you know, I think it's really interesting the way we live our lives, like how some little thing becomes a new current obsession. So let's go back around. Uh, what is your current obsession? I have a couple. Go ahead, you're uh, loud. My, my current obsession right now and I don't know where or why I got so into this is basically whenever I'm traveling, I just love watching on Instagram stories from cities, different cities. Even if I'm not even traveling, even if I'm home, like I'll be like, oh, I want to know what's going on at this hot spot around the world. And like watch, I like watching real time, real people yes. on the Internet, not yes. necessarily like influencers or celebrities, like real, real time people. And will it be as macro as like Coachella or will no, it be like, no, no, or no, will no. it be something like? I'm just curious what the is happening in Des Moines, Iowa, right now. <laughs> like, no, like I'd say somewhere, like, somewhere I'm in between. Curious like, what's happening like, in Des Moines, like, Iowa. You know, uh, like Paris or like you know London or just Got it. Like yeah, a major yeah, yeah. Scene. It doesn't need to be like a cultural event, like Coachella, like snooze. Like yes. I've seen enough hipster outfits, you know. Yes. It's like, but you've like, seen enough flowers in yeah, here, yeah, yeah, like for a lifetime. Yeah, I've been yeah. to Coachella ten times. I'm like. I'm coached out, but uh, yeah, no, just like random cities and other things. And then my also other obsession recently, which actually happened yesterday, I was uh, telling my friends that I uh, I just uh, swooped some like new, you know, redone or brought back like LA gear stuff. I was like, LA gear, yeah, With the lights? and I was like, this is so tight, like. 
I love that. The yeah. recall. Yeah. Like, so what did you get? Sneakers? Or? I know. I got some like just crop top shirts, yeah. some like. You can still jacket. get those LA gear lights. Yeah, I want to get those are next. Sick. eBay. Maybe yeah, maybe it's someone sure. the original <laughs> stuff, not the remade. Yeah. Love that. LA yeah. gear. Perfect. Perfect answer. My man? Um, short term, I'd say this weekend was the Masters. Um, okay, golf, that's my cool. favorite sport, so. You uh, were just like enthralled. Dialed in like whole weekend. Dialed in Thursday or dialed in Saturday, Sunday? Oh. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. Like you just were not productive. Like Tyler wasn't super productive. <laughs> like the like my my empire was struggling this I weekend. I throw myself under the bus, but yeah, I was I was I was you know live stream on my phone with then, boys text. Like, did you bet? Did you bet on someone? I didn't bet on the Masters. So did you? Were you like? Do you have a core guy or two or gal golf yeah. friend? Yeah. So my buddy and I played on Saturday. Played eighteen holes, then watched before training camp started, and then Sunday. So you guys are just texting each other and be like. Holy, oh, yeah. like what Jordan just did this yeah. whole. Or- Absolutely, few guys I have like that, but. Um, so the Masters, that, so. I Masters. Love, that's super awesome. That that's been really interesting for me to watch. It's clearly like become more and more. I, the Tiger effect is going to be so. No matter how much ESPN hypes, no matter when the true thirty for thirty or movie doc comes out about the Tiger effect on pop culture, but like literally. You know, just being 42, being in that zone where Tiger kind of like came up, but also being in the wine business as a kid and mainly hanging out with high net worth individuals that were in their 40s to 80s. Like just watching in one generation the interest in golf become so much younger. And now you've got this whole new kind of group of guys who like go to Baker, you know, and yep. it's kind of like just it's drink Natty Light yeah. and use social and like do ridiculous guy things has created a wave. but. Um, it's really interesting how cultural the Masters has become for people 20 to 40 instead of 40 to 80 as it was when I was growing up as a kid. Absolutely. And did, like, did you like golf as a kid? Yeah, my dad had a club in my hand when I was three years old, so Got it. I, uh, I love it. There's a lot of young sports going on around here. Yeah. Club in hand at three on a surfboard <laughs> professionally at five. Like, yeah. It's pretty gnarly. Up. <laughs> Yeah, I would say one thing that's been interesting is I did a lot of research on tobacco for the book and as a performance enhancer. And I started getting into Swedish snooze, which is one of the cleanest forms of like a chewing tobacco. Okay. And that that to me has been... So you're going to get mouth cancer. <laughs> just just well, asking. Well, it depends Probably. on obviously frequency. There's some risk. There's some risk involved. <laughs> but Royal London College of Physicians says it's like 10 to 1,000 times safer than smoking cigarettes or something like that. And nicotine itself isn't really the issue. A lot of the associated things with tobacco and the Swedish snooze is one of the cleaner versions. I'm not saying there's no risk, but I'm saying as How far as... How often are you dipping? I would say is like... It dipping? Yeah, well, you put yeah. a little pouch in your yeah. mouth. So I'm how often like, are you dipping? I'm saying like maybe four times a week, but it's okay. probably my favorite drug. Because you feel amazing as you it's feel happening? amazing as it's, <laughs> as it's happening, right? How quickly like is it? I mean, I've experienced, if people know me and follow me, I've experienced a lot of the psychedelic sure. drugs, a yes. lot of the things. If I had to probably say, all right, no more drugs, no more caffeine, no more alcohol, no more is anything. Is sugar in there? No sugar. No, no, but it's oh, sugar. Oh, sugar a drug. Like, I just yeah, love I when people sugar. are like, get rid of that. I don't remember there was something I said about like, you know, so I've, I'm, I'm the reverse. I've never ever done any drug. I've never tried any tobacco product in my life outside of literally alcohol. I could 
blow your mind right now, Gary. I got a, I got a Swedish snooze right now. No, no. You know what's funny? You know what's funny? I think I need to, like I need to go the other way, bro. I, like like I have so much natural adrenaline and high. Like it, it, it's so amazing to me how I never gravitated towards that. And I think my mom was also super super brainwashed by Nancy Reagan and like like no more drugs or say no or whatever that was in the 80s. But um, actually the true answer is, and you'll find this interesting for everybody listening, my mom grew up in Soviet Russia where one, the Soviet Union was so miserable that most people died at 60. Two, there was no health, like you know, the amount of vodka consumed in that country is just so overwhelming. So my mom basically saw every male figure she knew, ever outside of like one grandpa, like drink themselves into oblivions as like a norm. Like it's really funny when I got to college, you know in high school there was drinking culture but college like like a lot of my buddies like I'm, I'll just never forget like my, uh, my wedding rehearsal night, my uncles dismantled my friends. Like it was just the best scene I'd ever seen. All my buddies who thought they could drink, like my uncles drank a liter of Grey Goose to the face every single normal holiday. Like it was, like literally a half a bottle of vodka was the equivalent to normal Americans having a glass of champagne like as an aperitif. Like, so I think my mom was super affected and like kind of pushed me in the other direction. Mm -hmm. But it's really, really, really interesting to me because I do think on the flip side, I'm always fascinated by what the establishment has made a negative versus a positive, the way I think about school, the way I think about a lot of things. I actually subconsciously understand that truth around most drugs and things of that nature. So for example, I'm very fascinated, I'm, I'm unbelievably undereducated when I make this statement because I don't need to get destroyed on, on, in the comment section and have to spend an hour like you know contexting it. I, I say this with full transparency. I'm super undereducated on everything about that world, but I am fascinated intuitively around steroids, for example. Like, it always runs through my mind that like, hmm, like, what's the real punchline there? Like, you know? If next time we hoop, you're dunking a basketball, we'll know, we'll know, we'll, we'll know what's <laughs> Then up. you'll know exactly what happened. Yeah. So that, that has become huge for you. And, and what's the subculture around, what's it called again one more time? Snus, S-N-U-S. And so what's going, what's the, what's the underbelly? It's, it's kind of like, bi- it's, it's biohacker, it's people trying to find the cleanest way to deliver the nicotine, which yes. is, a, it's a really interesting feeling when you push the boundary because it starts off kind of excitable, like you get a little energy, like a stimulant, and then everything gets really heavy and quiet. Yes. Almost like you're spearfishing at the bottom of the water when everything gets really still. I mean, you've probably done that before. It's like this crazy feeling that'll settle over your body. And that's the part that's really enjoyable because for me I'm a little bit like you my mind's always running and this actually takes you beyond that point and kind of drops you in let me, but, ask, let me ask a question to all three of you how much do you like being in control a lot so do you how do you think about drinking drugs like like to me the thing that I you know as you were talking the thought of going mundane or like like being in the bottom of spearfishing one of the things that's been interesting to me is what I've not been drunk a lot in my life, and I grew up in the alcohol business. You know, I'm a, I grew up in America. Like, like I think about the reason why. No question for me, the 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 reason I don't like, you know, asking for for things. The re, a lot of my content lately has been about this. I've realized, and it just summed up as you were talking. My 
greatest angst, the thing I hate the most is not being in control. The reason I never, like the reason I love running my own is I do not want to be at the mercy of anything but myself and one of the reasons I've not liked being drunk or getting into any zone is I don't like not being in control. I could see one arguing that is control. I'm fascinated by that but you said you love being in control. Yeah, I mean, for me, I love having a couple of drinks, but in moderation. And you know, I, I social have a drink too. But like, do you all, do you agree with me that if you're off, you know, <laughs> your rocker and or mellowed out, that that feel of do you feel less in control? Yeah, hundred percent. Like, but when you're surfing, though, I mean, in that state, it is a state of being out of control. I mean, it's a state of surrender naturally, right? Like you get out of your head completely. I feel well, like that's. I feel like you were in control. You are in control, but you are dealing with an uncontrollable element. Understood. Yeah. yeah so you can't. But that's life. Yeah. Exactly. Like I'm in control. I know. But like, I, yeah. You know, Seth might punch me in the face right now. Yeah. <laughs> like I Unlikely. need to be prepared at all times. Like yeah. dude with a pink hat may stab me in my neck with a knife. Yeah. I'm always aware of what's happening yeah, here. Yeah, you know, yeah. like you know. How do you feel I'm about the same it? way. I, I think you know everything affects people differently. So you know you talk about experimenting with different things. Uh, you know I have and you you feel out of control and you're like, I don't want to do that again. It's probably the reason why I don't do certain things as much as other people do it. Um, I don't drink uh, a ton, you know. I don't. I if I'm if I am drinking, I'm going out and like drinking. I'm not just like having. You're binary. I'm not having. You're a few not going to ca- be casual. I'm not yeah, you're yeah, going. You're not having one. I'm not having yeah. a few casual. You're like you know? going like, for I'm, it. I'm, yeah. I'm, and that's like you know, yeah. very rare. Go big, go home. These days. Your homie needs to keep an eye on you. Yeah. Um, if you watch me play lacrosse, I mean, no, it's not that bad. Um, people will tell will tell you that they they think I'm always in control. Like they've never seen me um, crazy out of control when I go out, but I'm not. I think I'm just always, you know, as a captain in college, always overlooking uh, the team when we were out, you know, at the fraternity, yep. making sure. So I always had to make sure everything was going to be okay. If you watch me play lacrosse, I kind of operate at like eighty percent speed. I'm never, you know, full go. I to, you know, I want to be sure. Injury even? No, or I over, think it's just overplaying? like I don't want to get myself into a position. Yeah. I don't. I can't out of get position. out of. Yeah. So I want to be in control. So uh, do you um, put when you go there with? you know, experimenting things, are you conscious before you go there to put yourself in a position where you're controlled at home or amongst no, people? No, 100%. Yeah. So, like, I, I think being unconsciously out of control is a horrible idea, whether you're partying right. or whether whatever. Right. If you're unconsciously out of control, yeah. that's terrible. But there is so much magic in super conscious surrender. I understand. So, like, if you're doing a psychedelic or if you're just completely allowing yeah. something to happen, like, there's real magic on the do bleeding you feel, edge of do that. Do you feel the magic of that plays out back in the quote-unquote real world because you have the context of the two yeah absolutely and then then when that uncontrollable element happens you've practiced and you've trained the art of completely letting go and not resisting the irresistible force yeah you know and so it helps you get over these emotional issues that you would normally obsess over and helps you move beyond and see the assistance that's coming on the backside of the resistance what what's happening in that subculture like obviously you know, our, our friend Tim Ferriss and others, like, it, it, it would be obvious to me, just living in culture, that there's huge momentum in, in, the, in the kind of like that 20 to 30 year old alpha male uh, acceptance of psychedelics and experimental that is far more accepted right now, in my opinion, 
Um, in what are you seeing in the subculture? Like what? What are yeah, like now that we're two or three years? Four, it feels like it's two, three years, yeah. four years into this. What are we seeing? A lot of a lot of high performers, myself included, are are deeply unhappy on certain levels with ourselves in some particular way. We're super driven, and we catalyze a lot of that energy from early trauma and early yeah. expectations we couldn't live up to, and we catalyze that into outward exertion of you know effort as an entrepreneur, How as old a are thought you? leader. I'm 37. So, so, but, but the, the deep unhappiness that we feel, these are tools to allow us to get down to the roots of that and start pulling the weeds and healing the cracks in the foundation. And I think that's what's dri- driving people to you it. You feel like when you're in that state, you're able to have that conversation with yourself? Yeah, like see little things that were blind to me, you know, patterns that developed from my parents, things that I've been driven by, pleasing this certain person or living up to this expectation and unravel Have some you of that. gone and talked with people? Have you gone that route as well? Yeah, totally. And, and has that been a, a positive as well, well or is this work The thing is, you? you can't talk about what you can't see, you know, so you can talk like, oh yeah, you know, I think things were pretty good, but you're blind. You're blind sure. until you become aware of what it is and then you can start talking and then allow people, experts, psychiatrists, other people to help you clean up, you know, what you became aware of. Let me, uh, let me use this as a building block to change the conversation, but actually build right on top of that. As three performers, this is super interesting to me, what you just said. I am fascinated by the last 20 years of parenting. So I think it is, in America, and I've seen in parts of Asia, and I just don't have enough context outside, but in America, over the last 20 years, I feel like the parenting has, and this is a, a, obviously a very blanket statement, but I'm fat enough that I'm starting the foundations of the book I've been yelling about for years called Perfectly Parented, uh, I'm super fascinated by the, not the coddling, but it's really one thing. You know, like parents, when when there's abundance, parents will always do this. During good times, even look at parents parenting during the roaring 20s, like, you know, when things are good, you know, you start worrying about dumb Like when you have nothing, you worry about food and shelter. You do not worry about how long you waited for your Uber. why did it go around the block again? <laughs> you know, like, like you, you know, it's just life. You worry about, you know, what my parents, when they first came to America, when we lived in a studio apartment the size of this, they worried about certain shit, they worry about them now. It's just normal. So after three generations of abundance in America, and obviously this is a net America, there's obviously Mississippi has not been crushing it for the last three generations, or most of it, unfortunately, which is a whole nother obsession of mine, Mississippi, <laughs> but I haven't really talked about it yet. Um, I'm very fascinated by parents trying to protect kids from losing. Like, in a big way. Like, especially now that I'm a parent, um, just watching parents talk about things like, we have to invite everybody to the birthday party. You know, just like stuff that is so ridiculous to me. As three competitors, um, and it sounds like you started athletics super early, and I'm I'm projecting, but I think you did as well, right? Do you feel like that was, a great thing for you? Did your parents try to actually manipulate some not losing? Did you see it? What is your three opinions on this notion, very simply, that losing a lot young is actually the great advantage to life, not a disadvantage that I think parents have unbelievably net-net tried to protect kids from losing. We've changed so much of our athletics in the US. You know, we, we don't have like keeping score into like fifth grade, I mean it's just, it's real intense, it's, it's gotten very 
It's a very interesting conversation and to me, you start talking about unwinding things. Look, kids have to unwind alcoholism and abuse and a lot of hardcore stuff that you can't uh, predict or things of that nature. Watching the country, and I'm talking about the liberal and the conservative. I love when I bring this up. A lot of the homies from like, you know, Alabama are like, yeah, you New York and LA homies, Gary, go get them. I'm like, bro, you, you know, like I'm weird. When somebody hits me up on Twitter and says, yeah, you're so right, the New York, LA liberal get them, Gary, I love you. I look at their account, I'm like, okay, this town in Arkansas, I like Google and look up the rules of their soccer league and then like reply to them, be like, yo, dude, your league has eighth place trophies too. So this is like a net thing. What is, what is your two cents, three cents on this whole conversation? Yeah, I mean, I I thousand percent agree. I mean, like the way I was brought up, it was like either you're a winner or you're a loser, <laughs> yeah. and and it worked. I mean, like for me too. Like I remember, I used to cry. I was so emotional about getting second place, and about and I because it was either you know you win or you lose, and um, you know. And how I, did your parents deal with the crying? They. Didn't want you to no, cry. they they were like, well, you didn't win. Right, cry. Yeah, they were like, they were like, yeah, you know, do better next time. I cried basically, minimally once a week for the first thirteen years of my life. Yeah, this is not a joke. I would cry all the time. Yeah, I just cried every time I lost. Yeah, like until I was nine, I cried every time I lost, mm-hmm. like dead tears, like death tears. Yeah, like I to was... the point where like nobody really wanted to play with me. <laughs> <laughs> like, Being serious, and I could tell when people were letting me win, and that would make me cry too. So I was just crying. Yeah, no, and for me too. I thought it was very interesting when I was a young kid because I was like obsessed with getting first in every event. And when I would go over to my friends' houses that had participation trophies and trophies in their room, and I was always like, "What? Like, what? What place did and you?" And did they get? think you were wrong? Like, did they think you were too much? Seriously? I, yeah, 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 yeah. Growing up, like, I mean, that's. Did the you thing. have to learn how to coddle that a little bit? Yeah, I because mean, I definitely did. I was doing like the thing when I was like twelve, thirteen. I was doing shoots for like Teen Magazine, and I was like coming up and you know getting attention and stuff. And that was also weird too. Like, I wasn't bullied, but people were definitely like, "Oh, you like, think you're special?" Yeah. Like, you. Well, and also too, when I was growing up, um, surfing wasn't cool for girls, so that's a right. whole other thing. But it was like, oh, like you know, you're you're like a dude, you're like a tomboy, sure. like you're not cute, like oh, yeah. you know, yeah. there's a lot of that stuff. But um, yeah, did you care, or were you so deep into surfing I, that you didn't give a? F- I did was, you cry? No, that never made me cry. Losing made me cry. Love it. Yeah. How about for you? I think it starts with parenting. I mean, I almost didn't play college across because I wasn't recruited. Like, I didn't have many options to go to school. At one point, I had no options. You know, my fifth year of high school, trying to go somewhere. But I think it was because of how Why'd my, you have a fifth year of high school? I wasn't recruited, so I took a post-grad year at a prep school. So you were that hardcore. Yeah. And that, think, that's where I thought you were going to yeah, go. I think it was so you were that dad. religious of like, this, I'm playing lacrosse. Yeah. And at least stems from cool. my dad when I was younger. We like... It was all about being, you know, the best you can be and being the best and winning. And, you know, I was, I was good when I was what younger. You make, that's such an intense gear. Yeah. Like, like, I can't even think of anybody I know that took a fifth year of high school to, like, to me, why didn't you accept that the market said you weren't good enough? Like, because it was still one more option and you needed to, like, scratch that itch? I'm, I, I'm curious of the psychology yeah. of, like, nobody recruit, like, it feels like, I mean this when I say this, I really don't think I know, I don't know for anybody's, like I'd love for anybody to shake their head, like 
I don't even know anybody who ever took a fifth year of high school to get into a sport. Like that's that's an intense jump. Yeah, uh, it, it was. I, I had that. I love lacrosse. I had that dream of playing Division One lacrosse at the highest level possible, playing on Memorial Day in the national championship. And when that wasn't happening, I was like, okay, what do I need to do differently to be better? And I kept. You know, working, working, and put so much time and effort into. When it. did you? When did it set in that wasn't happening? Late junior year. I'd say my my senior year. I, I, want, I want to say I, ha, I was recruited to like Division three, Division two. Understood. You know, not the. But we're not talking Hopkins. Not, we're not talking exactly, and exactly. Princeton. Like. I'd say my junior to senior year, and I was committed to a Division one school that was you know outside the top fifty, and um, I was like, okay, I this is my last push to make this happen. I I, I had a great. So you had a hedge, year. Ju- late ju- like late junior going to. Senior, I had a hedge. You had a hedge. Yeah. And you're like, but I'm gonna dismantle it. Yep. And and somebody's gonna see that and swoop in. Yep. And then I I did that. As I said, I'm not coming. And I took a fifth year at the prep school. So you and, did that uh, senior year, and that didn't happen, right? A, a tier top ten school didn't come in. Recruit. I actually made this decision after my senior year. So I was supposed to. I made it in the summer after senior year. I said I'm not coming. And I'm to gonna, this school. Yeah. And you said, I'm going to go to this prep school. I'm going to the prep school. And that's allowed? Uh, yeah. I, I, not really. <laughs> you like, no. Yeah. I, 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 I signed a contract. You know, I was yeah. supposed to be there. So technically, I can only look at non-scholarship schools. Right. Um, oh, that part. I mean, yeah. the prep school. Like, you could go. Like, so, got, so what ended up no, happening? You go I, to the yeah. prep school, yeah. and what happens? Uh, I was talking to a few schools. They all told me they didn't have room for me. I uh, couldn't get me in. And at one point in October... The reason I was there, play division on the cross, I wasn't talking to anyone. And then out of nowhere, Cornell came, and uh, you had to be redshirted for a year, or like no, it was there the next year, yeah, yeah. And that's Great. It. it was crazy. I remember calling my mom crying. Sure. When these two other schools told me they couldn't take me, and I was like, "What am I here for?" I'm, At this I'm, prep school. Yeah, I'm here because I want to play lacrosse. I'm a fifth-year senior. I'm a fifth-year senior. I don't have a car. I can't go out. I can't leave <laughs> where, campus. Where, what am I where, doing? Where, where were you? Deerfield where? Academy in Massachusetts. So you're in Mass. Yeah, Deerfield Mass. Right. Deerfield. <laughs> yeah. So you're in Deerfield Mass. All your friends are literally like six, eight weeks into their college yeah. lives. Yep. You're in this high school. I'm in a single dorm room with uh, you know, the, the center of the football team. So it was, I added, they added a bed for me. To get in there, it was just like it was a high school. Yeah, I doing. And what? And when did Cornell call? November. I went up for homecoming and hit it off with the coaching staff. It was the coach called me back. He's like, "Do you want to come?" I was like, "Well, I have no other options, so yeah, let's do it." And uh, I played the national championship my freshman year at Cornell. That's crazy. Yeah. So literally in October, you're in a you're a you're a fifth year senior in uh, in in wherever. <laughs> <laughs> and literally that spring summer, you're in that you're in the NCAA yeah, tournament, right playing for forty thousand people. Yeah, crazy. That was an intense eight months. Yeah. Oh yeah. So what do you see around you in this highly competitive northeast environment? Like you just saw a lot of parents up from I, your, or did you even realize it was happening? You're a kid. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, did you my, see like dads yelling, like like just like lack of self awareness, like dads, like a kid that you knew. Like in junior high, that had no prayer because he didn't have the size or the speed or the skill. But his dad, when you came over, like literally thinks his son's going to be at Hopkins. I think you see it today more than ever. I mean, why? Who? I, because, From your perspective? Yeah, I mean, everything that you touched on. I think it's just like that. 
notion that parents that they want their kids to like think that they're going to be this you want them to be positive think that they're going to be this great thing i mean i would have like five goals in little in youth league and i'd come off the field my dad would be like you miss this one on the crease and you miss this guy who was wide open there do you feel like that can go far the other way uh i feel like that's why i'm here today is because my dad was so critical of me yes and i, I love you, him for it do you feel like he do you think if your dad was sitting here that if i asked him hey bro do you think that you, Dad, would have had the self-awareness that your son wasn't dealing with that well, that you would have been able to take the foot off the pedal, or do you think your dad had one move the other way? I, I don't Because I think parents, most parents, yeah. have one move one way or the other, and I'm most fascinated by the parent that has the ability to go to the middle when they react to the reality I, I think versus was, their own ambition. Yeah, I, I think he would have. I, I think he saw how I reacted to it. And, right, so and it was I was like competitive. It was positive sure. for me, sure. and then eventually, when I got to high you school, you had friends. You had friends that had dads or moms doing the same thing. Exactly, that crumbled under that. Yep, and wanted to punch their parent in the face. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, my mom was a professional tennis player, so lost in the semifinals of Wimbledon. Like, did the thing. Your mom. Yeah. Lost. Billie Jean King semifinals of Wimbledon in '68. I, I think. have to look that up as yeah. you're talking. That's- <laughs> Kathleen Harder. That's insane. Yeah, so she was... She That's was, amazing. Yeah, yeah. She was the real deal. <laughs> Clearly, and, dude. And so when I was playing ball, I was a like basketball a player. hundredth of the athlete your mom <laughs> Yeah, totally. Yeah, she could beat me in tennis, so I was like 32. Still, t- until... And that was only because mobility. Like, like that was just like purely it. Her strokes are still better. Wants, yeah. yeah, and she would just laugh at me. But, but I think her experience and knowing that, I mean, losing is a part of life. And she 100%. understood that. And it's just how you deal with it, what you take from it. But her love never wavered when I won or lost. And I can't say the same for my dad. My dad was never a great athlete. And he was more ego invested in my performance. And I think um, with him, you know, it was a lot tougher because he didn't really understand what it was like to play at a high level. And, and his attitude towards me changed. If I had a bad game, if I missed some shots, you know, then it was like, where'd dad go? Like, dad doesn't give <laughs> about me anymore you know or or he would like jump on me for stuff and I was like I'm already better than you I'm 12 like you can't like what are you doing dad so it was a a balance of having both types of parents but I think ultimately the job of a parent is to prepare you for life and and losing is a part of life it's just what you do with that loss do you use it to make you better do you use it to make you feel like you aren't worthy of love anymore you know and that's the thing I'm super fascinated by the 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 absolute value of losing. I'm just super into it. Yep. And I'm just I'm just shocked by the lack of self-awareness of parents to not to realize it's doing such a huge disservice. I just see so many of my friends and contemporaries like it's just so obvious that the fear of losing just cripples them because they never take like it's super important to taste that early on. Yep. Interesting. And taste and taste the, the result of that. You know, I mean, like if the best thing that you can do as any parent or any mentor, or anybody is take the worst possible thing, the thing that's the curse, the thing that's the loss and say, out. yeah, you know, now how do you now how do you become grateful for this? You know, like 100%. how is this going to make you better? And that you teach that that's the recipe for life, whatever failure, whatever loss, whatever curse, whatever hard, you know, use that thing to make you that much stronger. Teach that. Do you feel that you're over-reliant on Instagram? So this is something I want to spend a lot of time on. It's the first time I'm bringing it out. Um, super important for me. I believe net-net, listening to 
you know, I've got a better sense for you and I think you're more diversified. You know, as people are clearly trying to figure out their value in the, thank God for influencer market, L- look at, you know, listen yeah. to your two intros, right? Do you believe that if I said right now, you know, it's really fun to critique the parents of the world right now, and we just had a lot of fun <laughs> razzing not ourselves. Do you believe, very simple, yes, no, do you believe that you're too vulnerable to Instagram? Yes and no. Um, I mean, that's the thing. I've done basically my same job for 20 years or so, and like he mentioned, um, you know, we're both in unique sports that you know right. don't necessarily. They're not mainstream. They're not mainstream, and I'm also coming off of you know a career of competing as well. So, yeah, I mean, um, so you retired a year ago. I yeah, I, in still essence? Do, I still do events, but not full time. So, and did that feel weird? Was that like a detox, or was it, that gradual? Did you feel like that was happening over the last three or four years? I felt like it was gradual, yeah. and, and like and like I mentioned, I like to win. Sure. So where I felt like I couldn't dedicate my time and at the highest levels yeah like i don't want to like, show up to events and not do good or not right. feel like i gave it my all so yeah. that's kind of where i was at. you lost the energy for yeah it. makes sense um but you know i still think about it i still you know surfing is in the olympics for 2020 i mean that's something that's is it the first time first time yeah are you like and i no i i literally tell a story where i cried when i heard it gone in i was like i couldn't imagine i was like wow and this is coming the timing's from- super weird yeah it's weird it, it is weird but it's like if know, it was 16 or if it was 24 it would have been better for you yeah i mean and also i i think what's interesting to me like i mean even 10 20 years ago when i was competing like we barely had a girls tour or sure. anything and now it's like an olympic sport and i'm you know very grateful and i feel like i contributed to a lot of you know, me and other few of top surfers to get surfing out Meanwhile, there. Like, you can't help but running through your head like, I could have won an Olympic gold medal. Yeah, or just, you know, <laughs> you never know. Truly. I mean, it's, it's on my mind, but... Uh, but you'd have to, like, legitimately, like... Quit my... Quit Like, right, like you'd have to leave... Actually, you should probably... If you're I planning think, on doing it, yeah. you probably have to leave right this second. Yeah, we'll, exactly. We'll conti- I'll see you guys we'll in two years. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Interesting. Which, I, which it runs through my mind, though. I'm like, hmm... You know, but on a very serious note, if you like literally walked out of this room right now and like went to Hawaii and like started getting your shit together, you know, it's tough. Like you're talking about the top. These are, you know, yeah. people underest. People are so confused by the difference between like you fooling around with your friends and what the like. I actually think that is one of the most fascinating things to me in life that regular people can't comprehend the delta between themselves and the tippy top of the sport. Like, I always try to, like when my friends, like my friends always say dumb like, yo, you know after like, if we play like five on five pickup ball and when you get the right five together and you like really feel it and then somebody says something stupid because you won like seven games in a row, like, you know, if we played the Warriors, to, like, we're not gonna score <laughs> Like, forget about winning. We're not even gonna score yeah. if they really tried. Score in a basketball game. So I think, I think that um, when I always tell my friends, I'm like, bro, look at all the NCAA athletes. Look at the ones that are like the seventh best player in their, in like college, at, like at the time, that don't even make it to the next level. The delta is so extreme. Do you think that if you walked out of here right now and started going hardcore, that you could make a real run in 2020? It would be a struggle. Yeah. It would be a struggle. So, and, that, and, that, and that's where it's like, uh, because even if you knew, if even if there was a, if you thought you could medal, you'd probably walk out of here right now. 
Yeah. Because it's cool, right? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, because that's the thing. That's again, what, again, I, again, I, I noticed, I apologize for cutting you off. I noticed Lewis Howes is a quote here. Like, Lewis went to the Olympics on the handball thing. I still think that's the funniest. <laughs> like yeah. literally when he did that I there was one flight where I was like what's something super random that's in the Olympics like something <laughs> dumb yeah. that no, that is nobody knows about like I was like looking for the hack to get into the Olympics because yeah. I think it's just funny and it, it's amazing yeah got it so that's kind of how it runs through your mind yeah and I mean and to further answer your question yes. like um speaking back to like Instagram I, yep. I, yeah Instagram and you know working with brands and stuff it's um like what's your second biggest platform uh, I mean, Facebook's actually my number one, but like, I mean, Facebook, Instagram, you know, I do them all, but Twitter, Snapchat, but I, uh, you know, it's, it's like anything. Like I think every day, like, is it going to change or where will it go are, away? Yeah. You know, is it gonna be like I, my just saw, space I just saw or? MySpace Tom literally yesterday and I like, walked by, I know him, he's a nice yeah, guy and I was is. like, MySpace Tom, like, what's up? But like, <laughs> you know, like, I was do you think on, he appreciated you saying MySpace Tom or did you just say Tom? Uh, I say both. I, I literally, <laughs> I literally I'm like, yo, yo, you're like MySpace Tom, and I'm like, this is great. Um, but like, I was on MySpace back in the day. I was like, I was a really geeky kid. I was on the internet. Like, you also were building a brand at five, so yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Do you feel like you're over relying on Instagram? Yes. And so, like, what do you even have a number two? So I have Twitter, yeah, but that's like a distant two, right? Like a fourth, yeah. Of yeah. My following on Instagram. Yeah. And so, like, how do you think about that? Like, do you think about podcasts? Do you think about yeah. YouTube? Do you yeah, think I think, like I said, right now I'm more focused on that more than ever. Yes. Um, I think I'm at a point in my life where I'm comfortable and want to start getting into different things. So Comfortable because you scratch the itch of lacrosse or comfortable because you're starting to get some deals and, like, can see it? That, I think Number two. I have some deals and uh, I'm comfortable where I'm at in the sport. You know, I'm not, you know... I'm always striving to be the best, but I'm, you know, confident in, in my position right now and where I am, and I, I want to start really taking that next step so I'm looking at podcast YouTube channel um, seeing which what I can do best you know what I can you know do with most consistency because I think that's what I admire the most about people who are in this space and who do it great is how consistent they are and you know you're putting out podcasts every day and that's that takes effort that takes work so which what's my next go-to platform that I can be consistent in you know I want to be a consistent performer like I can be in lacrosse I want to do that um, with what I choose next and for now right now Instagram is the one that I can be most consistent with Aubrey how about for you and how do you and how do you think about you as a human versus on it the brand that's a funny thing to, to kind of <clears throat> reconcile at a certain point because this birthed out of me and was just me me and on it were smashed together as one it. and now 180 people in there and it it has a life of its own and it's my job to just kind of shepherd it and steer it in the right ways that uphold certain principles of mine but it's its own thing for sure and and it, it can get kind of trippy to look at this thing that was like a piece of my flesh that now has developed into something that's no longer what's me. what's the biggest challenge of something that is a piece of your flesh that is now a company of 180 people for you today how many years ago did it start? 2011 was really the yeah. really when it got So going. like, you know, what's the biggest challenge for you? I think the biggest. At this point, because I think yeah. you're in an interesting spot. I have a lot of empathy for it. I'm sure a lot of people listening. A lot of times we talk about, you know, so much of my content is geared towards people that haven't started yet or a year in. You're, you, I, we're, we're past those places in our lives. I feel like you're in a place where your personal brand is gaining momentum, mm -hmm. right? You've been focused on on it. You know, I think, you know, listen, I always try to remind people, like, I 
built Wine Library for the first decade before I even put one piece of, before I put, now, I got lucky, let's call it what it is, there was no putting out content, you know, back then, but there was blogs, and I can't write for so that helped me, but MySpace, I watched very carefully, Friendster MySpace, I was fascinated, I didn't start content on there. You know, I think it's an interesting transition when you actually run a company, and then, some of the attention goes to you and you start realizing there's a double benefit. I mean, this book is gonna be great for you, it's gonna be great for the business. Yeah. Um, do you worry about getting caught on the drug of being the person and that then makes you take an eye off the business? It's a it's a balance, you know, because to write this book, I can't be focused on other stuff. So you have to trust the people that you put in place and you have to allow some flexibility for the company to take on some of their personality. Like my COO, my CTO, like they are shaping on it in a certain way. And, and again, that's and, an opportunity. And talk to me about 2007 on it. If if we were to 2011, talk. 2011, yeah. No, 2007. Uh, two, let's, I'm sorry, I apologize. Let's talk about 2000. Um, let's talk about 2014 on it. Okay. On it in 2014, what percentage of your fingerprints is on that business? <laughs> I mean, the whole thing. A hundred? I mean, or did the, you have a call? Like, no, like, flat, 199? Like, in 2014. Yeah, yeah in I 2014. Mean, every aspect, every single it, aspect, like, other than the, give other me a than net, the coding. Give me a net. But six, you hired that coder? 60, yeah, I mean. Well, if, if you're talking the, about the people I hire, we're talking like 90, 92% right. of this company and how many is of the, like... Of the 50 biggest decisions that had happened that year, how many did you 49. make? 49. Right. And now in 2018? I mean, now we're talking closer to 35%. And of the 50 biggest decisions? I'm still making a majority of those, maybe 40, 42. Understood. Yeah. And what it, does that feel like? Does that feel... Do you feel back to doing a recall? Your ability to go to that psychedelic place and learn? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm being, uh, you know, it's actually, it is a little haha. I'm enjoying the recall of it, but I do think it's an interesting insight. Do you believe that your escapism in that form and trying to learn to control the uncontrollable and, you know, however one would define that sector, I want to use the right adjectives and words, do you think that has helped you let go? A thousand percent. Yeah, because you, you, learn, you learn to have trust and you learn to. And also read deeply into the subconscious patterns that people have because you see them in yourself and you can see them in other people. And then, because you got to really trust the people that you're handing over the reins to, especially for the important decisions. And uh, so I feel like I can see them, read them. I can share myself with them better so that they understand me better so that there's not this discrepancy of what would Aubrey say or what would Aubrey do. They can kind of keep my spirit alive even when I'm not there and make decisions that would be akin to the decisions that I would make. So that's helped and also, yeah, letting go and, and trusting that you know this will become what it's supposed to become. Let's, uh, let's end on a speed round. Gonna ask some questions everybody answers. What's the most interesting thing happening on Instagram right now? I touched on it earlier. I think the real time stories. Lo- I think yep. real time stories and the geotags. Love it. Uh, could be a single account, could be a single person, could be something happening in your community. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Uh, for me, it's- what's the first thing you do when you go to Instagram in the morning? Do you go to your DMs? Do you go look at how your last post performed? Do you go into Explore? Do you go through your feed? What's the first thing you do? I just go through my feed. Got yeah. it. Yeah. yeah and do you like? Yeah, I like stuff. Yeah. yeah, I think I think that actually that's a good point right there. I think I find fascinating like the likes I found. I think people are just scrolling more, 
and liking less, and it's just kind of like become a habit where you just scroll, consuming and instead of engaging, just actually reading what the post is. Up. One of the coolest things I've watched happen is one of the trainers in our gym. His name's Prime. He goes by Primal Swolger, and I've yep. watched him come up from nothing now to like 150,000 followers, and he's just swinging kettlebells. And then he launched his own training program, and with just Instagram alone, in the span of like 18 months, he's got a hundred thousand dollar business with recurring and subscriptions and yep. things going on. And just from being relentless and consistent, two different kettlebell flows. He's sweaty. He's got his shirt off. He's got short shorts. He's got a black hat. And he does it every <laughs> single day. I love and it. now I go out to eat in Miami and I'll have like an on it supplement on the table and they'll be like, oh, you work with Primal Swolger? I'll be like, yeah, I do, actually. I'll tell him I said what's up. And it's just cool to see someone use a platform. I get it. D-Rock, yeah. you know, like... Ridiculous. Okay. Um, favorite food right now? I'm really into matcha. Mm hmm. Drink. Yeah. Uh, or acai, but that's like been my go to. Go to? Yeah. I'm going to go with a beverage. I've uh, really gotten into molecular hydrogen and consuming that consistently throughout the day. It's Interesting. Kind of, yeah, it's weird, but it's, yeah, it's different. Uh, yeah. I've been playing around with exogenous ketones, and that's. Uh, <laughs> Here's That's my favorite pretty. part of this last question. I don't know, even know what the last two were. Like, I've never heard of either. That's what, I, that's what I'm excited about. It's something. It's, a, it's the alternate energy source to, to sugar for the system, and it, it helps. You can obviously have a full ketogenic diet, which I'm a fan of, but this will kind of help bridge the gap and help you cheat a little bit. And so, uh, really playing around with those. On it doesn't have any of those right now, but I'm playing around with them personally. It's really uh, it. it's funny though. I actually have a weird one too, and I don't even know the proper name for it. But there's pop there's popcorn that has some, I don't remember the first word, but it's yeast as the topping instead of butter. I don't know if it's like nutritional you, yeast. You know about this yeah. nutritional yeast? I think yeah. is right. Have it's you had that? It tastes kind of like cheese, dude. It's f-ing amazing. Yeah, it's really good. It like freaks me out how delicious it is. Like I like it way better than butter, and like butter's the best on popcorn for me. <laughs> like historically, um, what are you binging or consuming on Netflix or any other OTT or HBO or what have you? Nothing is a fair answer. Not, n- nothing. Yeah, nothing. I, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's nothing. Yeah. I, I, know, mean, I know what I'm, nothing I'm looks excited, like. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for Westworld to come back. Yes, yeah. but right now, it's nothing. Not, nothing. The last thing was uh, Peaky Blinders. So I went through that. Oh, pretty, yeah, was that great? Yeah. People loved it. I loved it. Yeah, it was great. I don't even know what it's... A, yeah. Yeah, if I, could, if I could wait in line and it would make Westworld happen faster, like <laughs> I could go iPhone <laughs> style and like get it before everybody else, I would. I love that show. Love that show. Uh, last parting shot. This is where you can promote a book or ask a question or anything you'd like to say. Let's wrap it up. Dude, this is awesome. Yeah, please. Actually, it, that'd be great if you yeah, want to ask me a question yeah, I since I got to bounce right after it, this and it, can't hang. It, what would be better for your wall of things or things for the office? A surfboard or a bikini? Um, a surfboard. I think I'm okay. ready to put up something pretty legit. I'm yeah. actually thinking about resetting the whole thing. Okay, perfect. Like Mike, I, me I'm, in the center. I'm thinking about super resetting, uh, and and like really going there with shit I care about. So like for example, I have to. I'm gonna go on eBay in the next couple days. Like I need to buy like 80 wrestling figures, not just a couple. Like I'm gonna really make it even more personal. Right now, people are like sneaking in and putting and like trying to like it's just not enough me. And so I need to reset it. But a surfboard would be great. I do want like some sort of anchor thing. Uh, I'm gonna 
do two things. I'm going to ask you a question. But first thing I want to say is right now uh, I started a Instagram account, LiveFit30, with Brian Mazza. And it's uh, our daily workouts under 30 minutes. Love so it. We're, that's, we're putting a lot Good of time plug, into that. Um, for you as yep. someone, um, well, thank you. This is cool. I actually started taking on supplements a few weeks ago. Followed you for a while. Um, so it's really win. cool. You really you really, you really won today. So yeah. I, I listened to his podcast, Tim Ferriss, and uh, and started taking his supplements and following him a few, for a few weeks. So it's uh, it's awesome. At, talking about this, you know that second social, and you know what should I use? What do you think? Yeah. How do you work? Where do you think I should go? I think it's reverse engineering what you're about. Like so, to me, it's like if you can write. I really, really believe like writing is grossly underestimated right now. Like one thing I know for fact is most people on Instagram right now are grossly mailing in the copy and focusing way too much on the picture. Obviously the picture's massive. And even if it's 80%, which I would be comfortable in saying it is, the visual's 80%, that would leave 20% around the copy and its impact on the success of, what are we doing here? We're trying to put out pieces of content that give us distribution and awareness that becomes a gateway drug to another thing that we want to happen, whether that's to sell supplements or sneakers or books, or you know, to like, I wanna make more people Jet fans and make them more aware of other things. Like, like whatever it is, I could care less of like what you want that to be. Um, to me, it's if you could be great at the craft of getting people to pay attention, attention is the currency, and everybody is mailing in copy. So if you could write, I think blogging and copy on your post is super huge. I think audio's, I mean, I couldn't push people more to starting a podcast if they're willing to go there, right? Like, like everybody thinks I own 0.00% of Anchor and everybody thinks I own like all of it because I always push it only because I know it's a very easy way for people to start a podcast, right? So to me, written and audio, because video and picture has become easy and second nature to everybody, that means the opportunity is in video, excuse me, in written word and audio. Thank you. You got it. Bob? Yeah, I mean, right now I'm in the final stages of this book launch. and I. What are you doing my, on Tuesday when the book comes out? I'm going to be signing some books, but doing a lot of Facebook Lives, doing mm-hmm. a lot of digital. I got mm-hmm. different digital platforms that are hitting me up and um, just trying to Email hit, blast from homies, yeah, list. Of course. Yeah. Through the on it list, through yeah. my list, through everybody possible. Pot committed. 100% pot committed. Like there's, there's no more. We pushed all in. And it's great, man. I mean, I think this is, there's nothing that's, that I've ever seen that's combined the entire spectrum of human optimization into a single place. So you don't need to go hunting for conflicting experts. We got 300 clinical academic references. And it's not about buying a bunch of honest stuff. We're talking about the free doctors like sex and sleep and exercise and light and hydration. How much and do you all- sleep? I sleep about seven hours and, and then what, I take 30 range? minute naps a lot. Hmm? What range? About one to eight. Is your sweet spot. Is about my sweet what's spot. Your, what's your sleep? Six to eight. Uh, and what, uh, cool, six to eight hours. And, oh, what's, and what's the? Uh, probably 11. What's the norm, the I, net norm? I wake up at seven, so it's all depending on when I fall asleep. 11, 11 12 to seven. Got it. And for you? 10, 11 till six, seven. Same, I'm, I'm really, really midnight to six or 11 to six, you know, or 12 to six. I'm same. I, like, I, the reason I wanted to jump on this before we ended is I'm just super sad that people think hustle means sleep four hours. I just, I'm, I could, to me, the biggest problem is what you're doing when you're awake. Mm-hmm. How much energy do you have? I have unlimited that's the rate, Yeah, yeah that's exactly. The rate and I have, you know, that's exactly right. And like, like I just, I, you know, it, it's just, the black and white of not a lot of hours 
like and making that cool is such a strategic mistake. And a 30 minute nap outperformed more overnight sleep and more coffee in clinical research. So don't be afraid to nap even if but, you're But it. on that, you need to know your body, right? Like if I can't nap. Like I just can't. And like when I do everything's like it just and like even when I tried to like force myself this like like I think any of these advices about anything comes down to self-awareness and and, sure. and understanding yourself like Trying different things to figure out that thing for you is just the game. You might want to try a caffeine nap then, where you have a little bit of caffeine and then try a nap so you don't go too deep. Because the problem with napping and being tired is you get into the deep phases of sleep. And if you're in the deep phases of sleep and pull yourself out rather than being in REM or some lighter phase, there's nothing worse than waking up from <laughs> yeah. sleep. Yeah. You're like, it's the dead. worst. Yeah, the you, don't, worst. you don't want that. You want to wake up from the light sleep or not even go down that deep in a nap. Just, 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 just touch the surface of that theta brainwave yep. state. Guys, thanks for being on. Thank you. Have a great day. Thanks, Gary. See ya. Hey, guys, I hope you really enjoyed this episode of the Gary Vee Experience. Now go out and share this, pass it on, let me know what you thought.